You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Aize Jama Everett. His new book is The Liminal People. We're at SF and SF. Thank you for joining me, Aize. Thank you for having me. This is such a wonderful book. I really love the feel and the milieu. You just cast us into an emotional state from basically the first words in the book to the end. And that emotional state, I think, carries us through the plot, through the characters. Uh, talk about creating that kind, this kind of uh, feeling of it's a very spy story, world weariness, uh, lost in this world feeling. Um, yeah, I, f- I don't know. I feel like the any genre, uh, the the purpose of the story is for the character to mostly connect with the audience, and so that's just sort of what I what I go for in that. And I do that, I think, in this novel by um, connecting with the sense of fatigue <laughs> that <laughs> everyone has had at some point in their lives, um, and the main character's fatigue just happens to be based off of things that not most people can do but uh that world weariness yeah i think it's just i think as an adult at some point most people go is is this all there is um and i think it's up to the adults to to make more for themselves i think what the liminal people is is as a adult trying to come to terms with what it will take for him to make more of his world than what he's seen and that's so interesting because this particular adult has more uh, potential than the average human being. So talk about designing this world of spies and psychic powers. And the way you craft it and make it is it makes it so that it's very gritty and believable. Well, I believe in the grit of the world. <laughs> um, I think people's potential is mostly untapped. Um I, I don't think that Taggart, the main character, I don't think he has more potential than anyone else. I think his potential is just very specific. Um, but I think all of us have the ability to heal and hurt others with a touch. Um, and I just took that concept and sort of expanded it out a little bit. In terms of the spy thing, you know, I think there's this coded notion in the world that we all, um, we're all part of secret societies. You know, we're all part of in-groups and out-groups, and um, we just get a chance to explore this very specific in-group of Taggarts um, that, you know, we all have some access to in our own ways. I love the emotional connections that the characters make between one another, because as they make those connections, um, uh, then we make them to the characters. And that's a nice way to build up a network and to build up also a narrative drive in this novel, which is very intense. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're never, no one gets through the world by themselves, right? So it's always interesting to see who someone relies on in order to, to get through the world. Um, and for me, the cool part, you know, I, I work with teenagers a lot, is um, seeing some of the younger characters for the first time finding an adult that they can rely on. And it's really cool for me seeing this adult being like, oh, my God, I'm being relied on. Now I have to show up. So I think that's sort of the core of those emotional connections that um, carry you through to the plot. Because if someone's relying on you, 
especially if a kid is relying on you, I think most people would be surprised what they're willing to do and what they're willing to put up with. You know, I, I that's, that's absolutely true. That really does help drive the plot and drive our empathy with characters on both sides of that equation. It's a, it's a surrogate uh, uh, parent relationship that anybody can identify with, whether you're a parent or not, and that pulls on a really powerful emotion in us. Yeah, I kind of... I get a little sick of parents when they say things like, you're not a parent, you wouldn't understand. It's like, so what, if I saw like a starving child alone in the woods, I'd just be like, I'm not a parent, I don't understand, I'll leave you alone. You know, like, it's not about parenting, it's about being human. And I think human beings connect to each other and rely on each other. Um, And like I said, when someone relies on you, when someone's truly relying on you, um, I think most people would be surprised the lengths they'd go to to protect that, that innocent person. It taps on our on I think the strongest human and emotion that makes us human, which is compassion. Yeah, and that's why it's kind of a cheat for me as a writer because I'm like, I'm gonna tap into something that I know everybody relates to, you know, and then be like, okay, cool, and then I'll make some weird, crazy story that's crafted around that. But I'll just go on the simple stuff. <laughs> well, well, I love the weird, crazy stuff in here. It's what really it's it adds a whole level of appeal, and there's some incredible set pieces in here. I mean, just really great. You just want to see somebody stage this as a movie. When you're writing this, do you have to block it out like a movie? Um, I think movies are blocked out like my mentality. You know, like I think, um, I think in terms of scenes, I think in terms of action, I think in terms of dialogue. Um, I was talking to another writer tonight and I was so happy that he described his book as adventure because I feel like we've We've lost a lot of that action description. Action is seen as such a reductive and, and, um, you know, crap sort of genre. And I think without action, it's just mental masturbation, (laughs) you know. So, like, I appreciate when, when there are things going on, when things explode, when there are fights, when there's blood. Like, all those things, I think, add not only a sense of, um, grittiness and realness but just excitement to the story and that's what we're after i think as writers is to get some excitement going in the reader well one of the things too that makes your work so exciting is the sense of the larger world that these characters live in they live in a secret world but it seems really large and fully fleshed out and as readers we want to journey farther into that world are you going to take us farther into that world have you gone farther yourself yes i have and i'm waiting to hear back from one publisher if they want to publish uh oh no actually i yes i have i'm working on the 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 a sequel of sorts to the liminal people now um and i'll see who's interested in it but yeah you know the goal is to there's a bigger story there's a huge story that um, I'm trying to tell, which I need a three-book deal in order to tell. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, so um, once I get that, then you can get the fully fleshed-out version of The Liminal World. Ooh, there's the title, The Liminal World. That's, yeah, that's the title. <laughs> well, I like that. I uh, <laughs> I hope to see that on uh, title, Liminal World, Volume 1, 2, and 3. Now, uh, as a writer, when you're exploring this world... Could you talk about just uh, crafting characters who fit in that world but seem to come from our world? Well, I, don't, I mean, I think there's this notion in fantasy, um, even though I consider this a science fiction novel, but there's this notion in fantasy that I've seen where it has to take place in uh, Europe in the 1800s and involve dragons and swords and things like that. And that always confused me. Um, I feel like there's, um, 
I feel like there's this fantastic world that can be set in the here and now. And I think it's hubris to believe that we're experiencing everything that is going on around us now. You know, we have a limited vision and limited perspective. So part of this, you know, these characters do come from the real world. They do come from the here and now. And let's assume that there is someone in Mogadishu who can talk to the to the earth. Why not? <laughs> like, why can't we assume that? Like, what would cha- what would be radically different about this world if that were the case? We wouldn't know about them because we don't know about people in Mogadishu. You know, <laughs> like we don't we don't know what would happen because you know, as Americans at least, we're not concerned with those parts of the world. So what I like looking at is well. You know, uh, a friend of mine once had this concept. He's like, you know, what would happen if uh, if uh, Jesus was born in Jamaica in the 1950s? How would anyone know? <laughs> you know, and I, and I just love that concept. And so a lot of my characters sort of come out of that, like, you are born incredibly special in a world that doesn't appreciate that. Go from there, you know. Well, I mean, I think everybody feels that way, which makes your that helps to make your uh, uh, fiction so appealing and make us enables us to empathize with characters who have fantastic powers. Yeah, I mean, I often I don't think it's about the um, the powers. You know, I think it's about the the people. Um, a great story isn't, you know, the powers are a, are a, are a, a, a trick. You know, um, Batman isn't a great superhero because you know he's got batarangs batman is a great superhero because um you know his parents died in front of him and instead of being a a total sociopath or a playboy you know who just spends his money all the time he goes out and tries to help people even though have problems with batman you know like it's the motivation behind the character that gives you the the sense of wonder that makes you care whether or not they can shoot laser beams out of their eyes or whatever so that's what i go for first and then the other stuff comes later and it's fun but it's you know just icing on the cake, so to speak. I was interested that you described your uh, novel and, I guess, work in general as science fiction as opposed to fantasy. Why would you draw that distinction? Um, because I'm relying on scientific tropes about, in this book, how the body works. Um, that um, there is this, you know, the manipulation of um, people's organs and bones or whatever comes out of anatomy. Anatomy is science, science science fiction. Um, I mean, I think that whole, you know, implied binary position between fantasy and science fiction is really kind of ridiculous. I think there's fantasy on one end, there's science fiction on the other, and it's a continuum. And, you know, there's a lot of science fiction, you know, like Star Wars, you know, a lot of people argue Star Wars is fantasy. I can totally see that. (laughs) You know, there's no science in you know, the Star Wars movies until you get to the uh, fourth movie in the series, piece of crap, and, you know, they start talking about mitochondria. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So fantasy, science fiction, whatever, it's it's stuff that we don't see usually. That's what I call it. Tell us a little bit about your, your writing habits on a day. How, how do you, how did you craft that novel? That novel I wrote in, the first draft I wrote in a month straight. I basically woke up, wrote basically, um, you know, two hours um, in the morning or when I got home for two hours. And in a month I had a novel. Um, I didn't know what it was going to be about. I just sat down and plotted out. But I had written another novel before that that had fully fleshed out this world. So I had that as sort of background. Um, my general writing, um, I generally tr- I try and write every day. And then there are weeks 
where I can't and then that's when I feel sick and gross and weird and then I start writing and I feel better so I write in order to keep my health and my sanity well, we'll hope you keep very healthy and very sane. I've been speaking with Aiza Jama Everett. Aiza Jama Everett. His new book is The Liminal People. Thank you for joining me, Aiza. Thank you so much, Rick. You rock. I love you, man. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.